Standby for Places presents On the Table by Diana Arnold, featuring Morgan Wardlaw and Ken Barnett, directed by Dunya J. Karam, featuring music by Morgan Wardlaw. How do we become how we become? I think it's all about where we come from. I didn't go out to eat much at restaurants at all when I was a kid. But I have become one of New York City's greatest waitresses. I've grown up entirely tableside. From when I was 17 years old to now, just about 35. And I don't know what it is about me. But I believe that being in service is my purpose. And I believe that taking your order every night has really saved my life. It's made my life. Every single table that I have ever waited has created this present moment. And I can tell you this, we get what we give and we are what we do. So we've got to try to do something we love. And listen, if you want your skirt steak well done, well done. You get to tell me how you want it to come, and I'm not going to judge it, because I love the burnt ends of a steak, the charred bits. Come on, who doesn't? Waitressing has given me something to look forward to every evening. I mean, my tables are the reason that I have become anything. You You open? open? We're not. But for you two, of course we are. Come on in. Okay, so I love them. Um, They come every Wednesday night, right, right, right at 5 p.m. He likes limes with his water, and she prefers no ice at all in hers because she's got sensitive teeth. How are you guys doing? How's your week? She's going to say? Busy. He's going to say? Can I please have a martini? Of course. All of us tonight are a twist. Mmm, a twist. Life is about relationships. So, how are things with you? Yeah, what's new? Oh, God, I don't know. Um, Can I think about it for a minute? Nobody ever asks me that and means it. We three are in a relationship. I mean, I see them once a week. That's more than I see my friends. And I love that. I just love that in a restaurant that happens. I'm doing great. Life is good. Guys, honestly, I can't complain. Tell me about your day. And I a little bit deflect. Because for me, waitressing is really about displacement. I've had to do a lot of taking care of myself. So it's actually a real pleasure for me to come to work, not have to think about myself at all, and put everything I've got into you for a minute. Hun, I'm in the mood for fish. Oh, you are? I'm sorry to interrupt, but it's Bronzino tonight. Skin on. Get it. And in service, the relationships are instant. You come hungry. So what's it going to be? You tell me. That fish for me, please. I'm going to do the burger, I think. Great. And then I bring it. It is as simple as that. We are in a relationship. You sit down at my table, and I begin to see myself in relation to it. But luck has had a lot to do with it. So my life, like, you know that part of your life that finally starts to feel like it's yours? Okay, so that part of my life started when I was 17, and I moved to New York. And you know how you hear about people coming to this city, getting chewed up and spit out? Um, That didn't happen to me. No. 
New York has been good to me ever since the wheels of my plane from LA hit the runway at JFK. It's been hard, but I have been so lucky. Because on my second day in New York, I got my very first job at a restaurant. I was going uptown to meet a friend of a friend. This is the only person I knew in town and she was a little older than me and she just bought this tea house. So I took the blue train, which is what I called it in those days. I took the A, I took it to 72nd Street and I remember I got off, turned left, walked down Columbus, walked past the Dakota, made a left on the corner of 73rd, walked down four little stairs and entered Alice's teacup. Another world. I swear it smelled of hormones and pumpkin scones and it was just magic in there. And I walked in and it was buzzing and it was a Sunday and I was like, hey, I'm here to see, and it started to get a little bit busy. Lauren, and my friend just says to me, jump in. Jump in? Yeah, girl, jump in. And I remember my very first walk from in front of the counter to behind it. Jump, Jump in. in. And I did. And I did. And I did. And I did. And I was hired immediately on the spot to be a host at Alice's. And those shifts, they really shaped me. Behind. I worked doubles for decades. I would close dinner one night and then wake up to open brunch the next day. Oh, brunch. Brunch on the weekends on the Upper West Side. Well, the dishwasher just quit. God, brunch is always such a mess. I need a table right away set for five. I like it. I just work hungover the entire time. And brunch was sort of like my college experience. I mean, I worked that shift for four years. I went to NYU Tisch and hated it. Waiting tables really was my education. And Alice's Teacup is where I found my people. Honestly, my first job in New York is where I met all of my best friends. Great job, y'all. We got through that rush. Uh, can you split this for us? Um... Thanks. We have eight cards. That was 2002. And nothing has really changed since then. I have been a waitress since then. God, restaurants are where I've learned everything from. And the bonds that I've created with the people I work with are still the strongest bonds I have. Well, except for one. Um, my first New York best friend, which is a really special thing, he also waited tables at Alice's and, and worked with me. He was this beautiful, wild, just fantastic young man, and his name was Dante. And one day, Dante was late. He was always late. But today was different. So much of life is right time, right place, isn't it? Don't, Don't be late. Because that day, the manager just wasn't having it. Diana? Yeah? I'm going to show you how to set the dining room. You are? Then, all of a sudden, she handed me one of those big plastic silverware containers. You know, the ones I specifically remember because it was really heavy, and I almost dropped it. Do you know that my first thought as a waitress was, this job is too much for one person? Wipe the tables down. Plate, napkin on the right, fork, knife, teacup, done. Got it, sunshine. Um, that's the only training I ever got. And so I start to set the tables up, which is still my favorite part. 
I love the calm of a restaurant before the storm, where it's just you, the floor, sound of your shoes, maybe some Spanish music from behind the kitchen door. And I'm just beginning to feel like, okay, okay, I got this. I look around, most of the tables are set. And just then, I'd completely forgotten. Uh, my best friend Dante walks in, whose shift I was just given. And he looks at me, looking at him, I'm frozen. And he doesn't say a single thing. He just walks out. And we never spoke again. My very first time ever working on the floor. And I lost my best friend. There is a cost to this job. I learned that then. So now let me ask you this. Have I ever been your waitress? I bet I have. Because since Alice's, it's been job after job after job. I have worked at, let me count, one, two, three, four, every single restaurant in New York. <laughs> no, really, I have. Bonita, Rosewater, number seven, Mermaid Inn, Momofuku Sambar, Dirt Candy, God, Amanda, you are really good to me. Cook Shop, nope, too far of a walk. Uncle Boone's, there they watch you from the cameras and they're kind of mean to you. Then Gramercy Tavern, which has really nice people who work there, but I don't like to work a tasting menu. Mission Chinese food, which was spicy and super fun. I was only there for the dudes. And what else was there? Ivan Ramen, God, Masada, Dover, which I wish I had skipped over. And then Via Corota, since the day it opened. I helped make that happen. And finally, well, Lilia, which was one of the worst restaurant jobs ever. And those are just the restaurants that I can remember. Sometimes I'll be out to dinner um, with friends. It's rare, but it happens. And I'll be like more than halfway through with my chicken when all of a sudden, guys, I used to work here. I call this PTRD, post-traumatic restaurant disorder. So this is when a server gets triggered and like a grenade going off in my brain, I'll suddenly like look down at my plate and know exactly where it's going in the dish pit when I'm done with it. And it's like, I know too much. I'll turn my head and see a cupboard and know that that's where they keep the straws, the sea folds and all the toilet paper. And then I'll see the manager walk by. Oh my God, is it the same one from when I was here? I think her name's Joanna. And it continues because my server floodgates have opened. Like, how many wine lists have there been? How many POSs? Loha. Breadcrumb. How many staff meetings? Do we get paid for these? How many drunk managers? How many different places, ingredients, and tasting? There's almonds in the pesto. Don't forget. I forgot. God, how many allergy lists? Is family meal gluten-free today? No, it's pasta again. How many uniforms? How many cubby holes have I had to change in? How many vacations? I hate to ask again, but can you cover me while I'm at Burning Man? God, how many schedule requests? All the friends' weddings I've missed. All the different neighborhoods and subway stops. West Village. East Village. Fort Greene. How many different table numbers and positions have there been? So what's position one? We go counterclockwise from the third chair on the left. Every place does positions different. Hey, where's my section again? You're the front, okay? You take tables one through five, and table eight, bar 20, and table 37. That makes no sense. God, there's been so many places I've worked in that years later, I don't even remember my own experiences until I'm halfway done with my chicken. So I get it. I've had to clear my own table for years. Wipe, 
and then reset it. I've mopped the floors. I've had to take orders through tears. I've had screaming fights with really violent coworkers. I've been told to get on my hands and knees and look for a credit card inside of a trash can in front of Uptown customers. And I did. I've been accused of stealing by the boss's wife on my very first shift. Count it again. Count it again. Kate. I can't believe she did that. What a bitch. I've spilled octopus juice inside my shoes and then had to slither and work my way through that whole shift. And I had to wash all the dishes. And I've been called a bitch to my face by the men in the kitchen. And I've been touched without my consent in a walk-in. We all have. We all have. Yeah, we all have. And we've kept our heads down. The customer's always right. Our nails clean and our hair up while we did it. But I did it. And I do it. But I sometimes think to myself, what is it about this work? Why do we do it? Because there's an energy to it. For the money. Why do you do it? Because I get to imbue so much of myself into it. It's pure luck that I've worked at some of these great restaurants. I don't seek them out, really, honestly. I just roll a J and go on Craigslist and I get really lucky. And somehow now I have this monopoly on these small, kind of weird niche restaurants that are also chef and owner run, which is just to say that more than that I've served, I've also worked for everyone. Like I've had so much experience and I paid attention when I was working closely with all of these chefs. And so I, I took something different from each of them that now my personal style of service is really just a mosaic of all of them. You open? Does it look like we're open? So listen, I fully accept the premise. You walk in, I'm at your service, but that all starts at 5 p.m. and it's 4.56, so not just yet. How ready am I to be open? We're just gonna come in and wait at the bar then. Right. I hate the first table of the night. It's the worst. Oh, it is. And you like know it too as you're walking over there with menus, just thinking to yourself, fuck, this is gonna be rough. How are you guys doing tonight? How's it going? I don't want to say hi to you. It's literally my job. I have to. I don't actually care how you guys are doing. How are you guys doing? We're not ready. Oh, wait, come back. Can Do I you tell you about the. Can you I offer you something? I'm sorry, Do after you... you. I'm sorry. After you. Do you have any specials tonight? Yes, I do have some specials tonight. First, we have crispy shrimp. These are from the Carolinas, head and tail on, flash fried tonight with a bit of parsley and lemon. Pasta tonight is stracci. This is like a rag, so think something that's delicate, that's flat. We're gonna put Vermont butter and fresh shaved black truffles on top of that. We've also got grilled vegetables tonight. It's zucchini for the table or artichokes, your choice. And then lastly, here we come to our signature dish. So every night since we opened, we prepare a whole fish. 
Tonight, it's bronzino. We're going to salt roast it, fillet it for you, and finish it with brown butter. I have to say, if you happen to be in the mood for fish tonight, there's really nothing better. Let me know if you have any questions. Did I get him? What was the first one? Now I'm going to do it again. Welcome. They're on a first date, though. Let me make it different. We've got a couple specials for you, too. So to start with, we've got crispy shrimp. This is absolutely delicious. I think she'd love it. It's going to come from the Carolinas tonight with Parmesan and a little squeezed lemon. Pasta tonight is stracci. This is a rag. Uh, it's very delicate. It's quite flat. This is a star dish. It's coming with fresh black truffle and just simple butter on top of it. We've also got grilled vegetables. Tonight it's zucchini or artichokes. It's absolutely your choice. And then lastly, we come to our signature dish. So this is great to share for two. Uh, we've prepared a whole fish. Tonight it's bronzino. We're gonna salt roast it, fillet it for you both, and then finish it with brown butter and lemon. I have to say, if you happen to be in the mood for fish tonight, get it, there's really nothing better. Let me know if you two have any questions. I make my specials special. I make every table feel like it's original. And it is, and it isn't. They've seen me literally special every table around them. It's so obvious. And that is something that I love about being a waitress. It's obvious. It's the first thing I can do without having to be shy or hide it. Waitressing is the one thing I get to do to my fullest. And I love that they're called specials because what I really want to say is we've got a few things on special for you tonight. You should get all of them, really. But also, one of them is me. I am born to do this. I am born to do this. <laughs> not only, not just waitress, because it evolved even into something more. In the West Village, I also worked the door. Hi, we're two, but we might be three. More joining later. How are your old fashions? I'm pregnant. Can I sit now? It's been 20 minutes. We have been waiting for two hours. I need a table for eight. Well, there's going to be a little bit of a wait. No. Do you know who I work for? Just so you know, we're totally fine with the bar. Bathroom? Down the hall, either door, it's on the left. And we're off. We're live. It is a balancing act from here on out. Sir, it's going to be an hour for four. Is that okay? Great. Great. Let me take your name. It's George, with a G. I greet 300 of these five nights a week. <laughs> but I'm so lucky. It's a master class in improv, really. Hey, how are you? How's the new baby? Oh, she's great. I honestly don't even remember my life without her. Oh, I do. You'd always come 20 minutes late for your reservations. Great to see you. Oh, great to see you. I fit into this job so perfectly. I have an amazing memory and a ton of empathy. I literally stand at an open door facing New York City, and I have no idea what's coming for me. Ciao. Quanto tempo per un tavolo per dieci persone, per favore? Oh, he doesn't speak a lick of English. Oh, ciao. A table for two, huh? It's thrilling, but also comforting. Like, that's how a lot of my life has felt for me. Chaotic, a lot of managing. And so I make sure to always work somewhere pretty busy, because I know myself well enough to know that I'm actually healthier when I keep my own focus off of me. Being in service is beginning to make sense to me. I'm so sorry, sir. We really can't seat in complete parties. But he's almost here. Sir, you're incomplete. 
What does that even mean? I think it means that these people think to themselves that this table at this restaurant on this night will complete them. And I actually understand them. I remember first feeling complete at Twin Dragon. That's the only restaurant I really remember going to as a kid. What's yours? No, you've got one. No matter how shitty growing up is, there is some place for everyone. I know there is. There's somewhere you went with your mom once. Or a breadstick changed your life. Or there's a diner somewhere on the side of a road where you never went, but you know that your dad used to go. Or a waitress who winked at you online in the bathroom when you were 12. Or I don't know, maybe it's the way your grandmother's kitchen smelled. But there is a dish somewhere, I promise, or a taste, or a flavor, or a texture, or even a waiter that triggers something in us, right? Brings up, reminds us of that completely intangible sense of, of comfort, of belonging, of love. That's why we go out to eat in the city every night, to try to get a little bit of that love back, right? For like an hour and a half. And, and if you sit in my section, I know that. What happens after that is totally up to us. You might think it's too expensive here or not like me very much. I don't like our waitress very much. Or more often than not really want me to. Turn the music down. Or I'm cold. Could you turn that air conditioner off? And then I'll pretend to, but won't, and it'll all fall apart. But if you sit in my section, you get me. Me. Who believes that restaurants are magic. They are. A place where they're expecting you. They have things ready. How did they know I was even hungry? Me and my family would go for Chinese on Sundays. I remember I would get butterflies as soon as I would see the sign. It was on Pico Boulevard. It's big red dragon moving around with yellow horns. And my mom would park the car, and I remember I'd always just jump out of it first, run towards these huge, big, wooden carved doors, and I'd open them, and I'd see new music and new lights and a new universe. And the host greeted us. And then another man would come out from behind the dining room. He was wearing a white shirt and a black tux, and he would come right up to my dad, and he knew his name, and he shook his hand. He would always say, Welcome. I can still see my dad smiling. The people who worked there made us feel seen. Strangers made us feel familiar. I always remembered that. God, my father was a regular. And then they'd walk us to our corner booth. Your table. Our table. And my dad would sit here, and I'd sit across from him, and I'd sit there. And then behind him, there was, of course, what does every Chinese restaurant have? A fish tank. This one was no different. And I remember, because the neon blue light from the fish would always hit the back of my dad's black hair and make it turn blue a little bit. And then behind that was the bar. <laughs> I feel like as a kid, if everything's going good, the bar's not really something you get to know. 
I don't really think I ever saw it up close. Honestly, to this day, I'll kind of walk behind a bar and it still doesn't make any sense. I don't make the drinks. I just order them. Hun, I'll take another one. Already got it coming. That's Greg. I'm a regular. He's our regular. And regulars are always really kind and supportive and this integral part of, of any New York City restaurant. But there's always something that's a little off. Either they're crazy. Or lonely. Or both. Or they're territorial. I love this place. So I don't tell anyone about it. Or they like like to drink. Listen, guys, don't worry. We love alcoholics. Y'all make great guests. Would you like another? Oh, I don't know. What do you think? Should I? Should I? Yeah, I think you should. <laughs> My dad's drink was a Long Island iced tea. Can you believe? It was the 90s. But anyway, I remember as a kid that that drink would always magically appear on the table. Just moments after we got settled, no one had ordered it. That magic. And I remembered that. I remember watching my dad's mouth find the straw. It was more than a drink. It was the thought. Don't judge what makes a person happy, right? Don't judge why they're coming out to eat, but put yourself in a position to provide it for them. Yes, I'll be the one to bring them the drink. Then I become part of the experience. Seamless. At its best, service is really like a dance. It is a ballet of plates and glass where every moment is so congruent, if I'm good at it, you don't even notice it. I'm in it and I'm also controlling it. Your water or your wine glass or your ego, your whatever it is, will never be empty. Not once at my table will you find yourself in need. And I'm just so happy that you've come in because you all really are my reason to put my hair up and some lip gloss on and share with you a little bit about what I know, a little bit about who I've become. I take pride in being the thing that for three courses you can put your trust in. Welcome. So if I do a good job, you remember me. And if I do a good job, you don't remember me. Hi. You were a waitress last time we were here, remember? Yes. I have no idea. Did you guys have a good time? Yeah, we did. That's great. Welcome back. Thanks. God, I never know if remembering me is good or bad. But yes, now I remember. Of course. It was me who took your order. And it was me who poured your water. And... If I could, did I pour my soul into a small dish and place it like a garnish on the side of your table? You brought me lemon for my water. I did? You did. That's right. And I brought you extra parmesan. Twice. I'm the one who laughed when your husband grazed my ass as he was reaching for his water glass. And I'm the one who didn't flinch when you spit on me as you were making a point to your guest. Look, I'm the one who watches it all. While she was in the bathroom, I saw you swipe on Tinder under the table match and then send the text. And I'm the one who sends you dessert on your birthday because your friends don't want to spend. We're here for her birthday. I get it. I'm just on the other side of it. And sometimes then I get a little too invested in these small moments and way too attached to my role in them. 
But why? It's been so long I've been doing this. You'd think that I'd be more relaxed about being a waitress, but I'm not. I get so stressed because it's my job. And my job's all I've got. And I got a job that never gets old, honestly. Every shift still feels like my first one. Every night of my life at work is a night of my life. And part of me just really can't believe I'm still doing this in my 30s. I always had a feeling I was meant for greater things. God, I remember being 18 at Alice's, you know, the introductions with all the other employees. Hey, I'm David. I'm 24. I'm from Texas. Hey, I'm Lauren. I'm from Seattle. I'm 27. Hello, I'm Adas. I'm 28. I am from Tel Aviv. And then me, hey, I'm Diana. I'm 18. And finally, I'm Genevieve, and I'm 30. And I turned to Lauren, who's still my best friend, and I said, if I am still waiting tables when I'm 30, kill me. So I'm 30, and I'm still working, and it's winter now, and it's about 5.30, just before dinner service begins. And I'm standing in the center of an empty dining room, and the first snow of the season begins to fall. And this restaurant, this restaurant is a big, beautiful, authentic crystal floor to ceiling, see-through to 7th Avenue fish bowl. I can see the snowflakes from table eight. And I'm standing there next to the owner in silence, and we're just standing in the center facing the street and the snow, and we stare. Do you think people will come? Do you think people will come in? Should we get curtains? Is it too open? And I thought, too open? There's no such thing. But instead, I said, people will come to see and be seen. Yes, a restaurant can be so many things, but no, it doesn't breathe. It cannot be anything unless customers are there, unless you come in. Yes, unless the chefs have prepped and cleaned the kitchen, but no, it doesn't become a living organism unless you get dressed, take the train, and choose to wait to sit down in my section. I can't do what I do without you. Hi, I'll be taking care of you guys tonight. And I mean that. And this greatness, that greatness that I always thought I was meant for, is exactly what I'm finding in these moments that occur right here on the dining room floor. God, I love it. But it's a lot. Like, I have to be on, but also, like, make sure to turn my life off while I'm doing it. But also, like honor it because it's a huge part of my life and I want to be present so I don't waste it but then I get really invested in the moments and I concentrate on the compartmentalization of it that that being inside of and outside of that's a very particular skill set I'm at your table but I'm not at your table it's both I can prioritize 150 people's needs in a moment without a notebook, and, and I don't think that that can be taught. 
I also have to command a lot of knowledge with like hundreds of people I've never met. Hundreds of people who have no idea what Cacio Pepe is. Do you know what Cacio Pepe is? Every single time I say that phrase tonight, I'm gonna have to explain it. What is Cacio Pepe? It's a classic Roman pasta dish. We put lots of pecorino cheese and fresh black pepper in it. What's Cacio Pepe? Uh, it's a classic Roman pasta dish. Here we put lots of pecorino cheese and fresh black pepper in it. Great, I'll have that and a glass of Chianti, please. Oh, of course, by all means. I'll bring it right over with excitement. Your Chianti? I'll think you're an idiot, but I'll bring it. My job is basically personality management. And if this was a Sondheim musical, I feel like this is the part where I would break out and sing. It's only food and drink, right? Right. It's only food and drink. The stakes are not as high as I think. Forks and knives, knives and forks. This isn't my life, it's just my work. It's only food and drink, sir. Send it back, have another. I'm running around like a surgeon would at a hospital, but I am not saving lives at all. It's only food and drink. And to top it off, Jake Gyllenhaal isn't paying as much attention to me as I think. I serve him in a lot of air day three times a week. So while he is finishing the hat, I might just be polishing a glass. But somehow all of that's okay with me. I'd like to speak to a manager. Oh, God, I know this type. So there are two types of people in the world. Those who'd like to... Speak to a manager. And those who don't. Which one are you? No. Really, have you ever asked to speak to a manager before? I have. Okay, uh, I'll go get her. And what's your name? Oh, I'm Jennifer. So that's my alter ego when anyone psycho ever asks me my name. Like, um, you guys give yourselves away. I can't say Diana. That would be crazy, because you obviously have a problem with me. One time, this is totally true, my owner was like, does someone named Jennifer work here? She must have been getting so many complaints about me, so I told her. Yeah, sometimes I, I do tell my tables my name's Jennifer. I was really scared. I thought I was going to get fired, but she said, I don't blame you. You don't have to give your name to anyone. So I don't. Because it's a lot for me to give away my name. Leave me my name. What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? What's your name? I don't think that's okay. Because as a waitress, my name is the only thing not already on display. Okay, and it's a lot for me to give that away to some, what, 50-year-old getting drunk, having a bad day, maybe something about me or this experience rubs them the wrong way, and they could make one complaint with my name in it, right? One complaint, and that's all it would take for me to lose my job. God, we don't have any job security in my industry. None. Even if you think you did, I did. We're wrong. We don't. Every single minute that I'm working, I'm aware that anything could happen. And when it does, when something actually happens, makes it to the higher ups, it's never anything that mattered. 
but it still directly affects my future. Tell me, does that happen in other careers where your life trajectory is affected by a hungry stranger? Where there you are, looking for a new job, knowing that it is not about how good you are. It's been nice working with you guys. It's about a lot of things. But in restaurant work, it's never about how good you are at your job. I'm actually learning more and more that all of my work experience actually makes it really hard. Because I know what it's like when it's bad. And I know when I have it good. And with all of that running literally through my head, I also have to get to a place where I can stand with a lot of confidence, no matter what. We're four. Uh, okay. It looks like it's going to be a two-hour wait, sir. Two hours? Really? Really. But what I want to say is, listen, take a minute and look inside yourself. Do you have that kind of patience? Because that's a realistic estimate, and I can't have you having a couple Negronis and then in 45 minutes treating us like shit. We'll wait. Four Negronis would be great. You see me as a lowly host, but... Don't be fooled, because I'm actually in charge of the most. I'm given access to anything I need to get you to leave happy. Anything. Honestly, short of touching you, something I can't do. I can split a cocktail for you. I can even split a soup. I can pour you half a glass. I can bring you just a taste of anything at all. I can send out another, comp it, take it off. I can do whatever I want, as long as it's in the diner's best interest. I am giving of myself in order to give someone else an experience. And you don't know how rare that is. Most restaurant owners don't give a shit. The last Italian restaurant I worked at, this is the one with three stars in Williamsburg, they didn't have enough forks for the courses. But that's not even really what I remember. I remember working there with others, being in the trenches together. Like it is the camaraderie of this work. There could be no dishwasher, could be a drunk manager, could be no forks, but the camaraderie is what does it for me. It's enough for me. The people I work with have become the stuff of me. Good evening. Do y'all care for flat or sparkling? Oh my God. Are you the third girl from Broad City? No. Yes. But right, I totally should be. <laughs> I think D, I've only said three words to them, flat or sparkling. And they notice something. I see it. It's like when I'm working, I'm immediate. So every night here, we have some off-menu additions. Hold on. Are you an actress? How am I supposed to answer that? Where are you from? I'm from... Wait, 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 wait. Let me guess. Let me guess. He's great at this. The Midwest? <laughs> yes. The Midwest? They always guess that. Why? I always get so surprised. But when they do, I just take it as a compliment that they actually think I'm really nice. What do you think we should get? I don't know. Eating is so personal, and we've only just met. I really do say that. Because you have to understand that in order to answer what you should order, I have to get to know you a little bit. Are you guys having wine or a cocktail? Are you adventurous eaters, or do you like your meat rare? Or should I steer you towards a pasta that's more popular? And you? Do you actually know anything about wine? Or are you just here to get laid and order something expensive to impress her? Listen, I actually really don't care. I just need a minute to see it. 
Know thyself. It's Shakespearean. If you hate olives like me, don't get a dish with olives in it, right? You're going to want to. You're going to think about it. The dish is going to have every single thing you want in it except for the olives. Please don't get it. You're not going to like it. Then you're going to blame your server for it. What should we order? Well, what are you guys in the mood for? I read about Pete Wells said in the Times... Do you guys have a green salad? Did you guys read the menu in the center, big letters? Do you see where it says green salad? Uh, you're adults. Y'all can read the menu by yourselves. No, really, make like one decision by yourself. That's all. Then I'll come and I'll help round it out. But remember, I'm not the one having dinner. You are. What do you recommend? What do you recommend? I hate that question. But like, you have to tell us. She's right. Have you noticed that I'm kind of a sensitive waitress? You notice like it gets sometimes inappropriate how seriously I can take some of this shit. Like if I, for example, taste you on a few wines. Can we taste the Pinot Blanc? But not because I had the time. The Vermentino. But because you asked me to. Oh, and the Sancerre, babe. One after another. And the all-natural Sauvignon. After another. And then when you don't like any of them. I don't like any of them. A slow, fiery rage grows inside of me. My face will fucking contort. Suddenly everything in the world makes no sense. And it's because I've put my whole entire life into this really small, really meaningless moment. Sir, sir, if you like something light and dry, um, please order this. No. <gasps> Babe, what about red? Does nobody know what they want? But then I'll have someone who knows exactly, like, exactly what they want. I know exactly what I want. And I don't know which one is actually worse. I will have a half a glass of the natural Rioja and then the roasted mushrooms, please. But not spicy. I, tell them it's for me. They'll know what to do. I can tell he's putting his whole life into this dish. I'm so overwhelmed by how much I want this. I don't even know if I'll be able to eat it. <sighs> I'm having a bad shift. There's no rhyme or reason to it. It's just a confluence of events. Like sometimes you're on your period, the trains don't work, and your boyfriend sucks as much as your section does. And what, to top it all off now, a complete stranger is gonna, he's gonna yell at me in public? Uh-huh, in front of everyone. What a fucking nightmare. You're the worst waitress I've ever seen. And I just have to take it. Fantastic. It sucks to be yelled at, but it really sucks to be yelled at in public. People can sometimes be really cruel, and it's hard when you're working to keep it together and not let that break you. Sometimes, though, I do. I gotta be at work, but I gotta be around all of you, too. Excuse me? Is she really? Please, no, don't do it. I'm thirsty. Don't order before you sit. Can we have some water? Oh, and the fennel salad. And the chopstick? If you sit down... Everything will reveal itself. I can't believe I just said that. But it's true. You gotta be able to sit and receive if you want anything to ever come to you. And this is what I do. I pepper your dinner with a little bit of truth. You order with me, and if I'm open, I can hear where you come from. Maybe I can even bring you a scotch of something that for a moment will help make you forget your problems.
I can do that because I did that for myself when I was a kid. I did it with cashew chicken. That's my favorite dish. It still is. I don't seem like I am, but I'm someone who's very consistent. I know what I like, and I like to like it. I used to order the number six combination. Those plastic boxes with the three compartments, an egg roll would come with, and I loved when the brown sauce would roll over onto the rice parts. I was alone a lot when I was a kid, so I got it delivered. And it comforted me. Every time. I could rely on my order when other things in my life were out of order. And I like to think, like, that's what good service is. Something that can be comforting. And if you trust your waitress, you can leave feeling a little bit more full. You can leave a little bit more free. It's, it's not free. You're going to have to pay for it whenever you guys are ready. Ugh, I feel like they're rushing us. But this is the difference. The fundamental difference is when you experience great service, you're happy to pay for it. Thank you so much. You were so great. My entire life has been saved by the tip. That's 20 years in New York. That's every single month of rent. Any money that I have ever made has been made inside of a restaurant. I've been making about $2.50 a night my entire adult life, and that's basically because, in a way, I've been selling myself. Just last night, I looked at these checks, and I was like, what, they're paying me for this? And it's their choice how much they give? It is like being a prostitute. Tens, twenties, fifties in my hands nightly for my services. Once I was cornered and handed a $100 bill on Christmas Eve in New Orleans. This is for you, dear. Don't share it. And I didn't. Because it was for me. And there's something to that. There is something to someone recognizing me in a moment and compensating me because of my hard work and their direct enjoyment of it. Call it what you want. Walking home with cash in my back pocket. I swear a part of me still can't really even believe it. I grew up wanting so badly a seat at the table. And suddenly, as a waitress, now I'm an equal. Little did I know, of all the things in my life, what was going to serve me best was learning knife on the right, fork on the left. After decades of doing this, what I can tell you is every night is exactly the same. And every night is completely different because I have no idea who's coming in. I have no idea what sort of state the patrons on this Wednesday night are going to bring in. Anyone could come. Anything could happen. There could be a blackout. There could be a flood. People could be out for my blood. Guests could want to make me feel bad tonight just because it's going to make them feel good. Someone could fall down on the cement and bleed from their head on their way into the restaurant. One could end a relationship in my section. Wow. A marriage, even. How could you? It's over. A guest could stop and grab me by my neck and jewelry. I could see a coworker stealing from me, or I could be written off the schedule already, be having my last shift and not even know it. That one's awful. Guys, my name's not on the schedule. 
these restaurants are so small that everything feels intentional. Or just before I'm on my way to take an order at table 20, my coworker could come up behind me and tell me in a whisper that she had to have an abortion yesterday and that's why I was late. I'm really sorry. Also, we're 86 Multipulciano. These are all things that have happened to me. As servers, we experience so much in public that's usually given privacy. So what else do you do besides this? And servers get questioned constantly. What's your story? It's completely insane. Where were you working before this? Where do you live? What time are you off? How long have you worked here? Five years, okay? I don't really want to talk about it. Who takes care of you when you get home from work? That. That's the hardest question I've ever been asked by a customer. Who takes care of me when I get home from work? Because if I'm honest, which I'm not, when I get home, I can barely pour myself a glass of water. But on the other hand, I got to be part of Barack Obama having a ribeye with his wife and daughter. So, you know, it's a trade-off. Oh my God, it was unbelievable. Okay, they came with very little notice. They had only like two secret service. I was working the door. It was a packed house. Nobody came and nobody left. And then you could see he was drinking a martini, three olives dirty, up, vodka. I'm ready. Oh, great. Did you maybe want to try the special anchovy dish? Yes. Good, you should. And with that Prosecco, oh, it's going to be delicious. And it is. And you will let it make your day. And you will find yourself in such a different place than you did when you walked in. That is what we've shared. That has happened with each and every one of you listening. I have brought you something and it has lifted your spirits. Our relationship. And you might want to catch me before you leave and mention it but I'm no good at receiving stuff like that, so I'll suddenly make myself really busy, and then you'll leave it in your tip. And you'll think I'm gone, and the doubt will come in that you're just a customer, and this experience maybe wasn't as big as you wanted to think it was. She's just doing her job. But then I'll appear at the door, just as you're walking out. And I'll smile, and I'll say, hey, thanks so much for coming in. And you'll feel like it was real again. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. I will. Hey, what's your name? And that's the moment of change. What's your name? What nomenclature makes my nature unique? Me? I'm Dee. Being in service has never been so easy. And I tell you what, it's serving me. Service expands everything I see. My section each night really is a microcosm of the world outside. I get everything from my guests. I learn the politics. I can see the trends. What are they wearing? How much are they spending? What are they asking for tonight? What are they ordering? How are they treating me? How are they treating each other? I pay attention to all of this because... I've suddenly become the barometer for culture. I have to be everyone's server. I work on nights when terror attacks strike. I work on nights when my idols die. 
Leonard Cohen. That was a really hard one. I remember I'd take a break and walk around the block and sing Suzanne to myself. I work on nights of major political elections in 2016 when my lesbian boss was sure a woman was going to be the next president. So there are 500 red, white, and blue balloons flooding our restaurant, and then she doesn't. In an instant, our hopes got popped. The champagne did not. But I'll tell you what, check still got dropped. I was at work when Trump got elected. I was working the day after the Christine Ford and Brett Kavanaugh hearing. That was a really hard shift. That's harder than any shift that I'd ever had before. Because we were not who we were that day at work. We were just four triggered women on a dining room floor. I remember it being really hard to approach men that night. Almost impossible to clear their plates look them in the eyes, and pour. After a shift, no matter how much I might fundamentally love doing it, sometimes I'm a little bit broken after it. Things are happening in the world that were not happening before, and they're leaking onto my dining room floor. I've been working at this so hard for so long, I'm not sure I ever asked myself, what have I been in service for? Am I meant for more? This job is now about the next generation, the ones next in service who are going to serve us God, in the future, are there even still going to be restaurants? Or will there be robots? What's going to happen to the waitresses? Things have changed. Restaurants went dark. We all got sick overnight and had to ask ourselves what it was for. We must now create a new culture where it's about how to be genuine and hospitable while in a world that's still so sexist and dangerous and frighteningly political it is about what is embedded in me now and sharing it. And it's about your experience too. It's about community and training. It is about tasting and hiring. It is about kindness, education, and compassion. It should also be about being responsible for your staff. As a server, I was hardly ever cared for. But I made sure that my tables felt cared for. I am someone who's been there. And that's rare. How do we become how we become? I think it's all about where we come from. Whatever it is we do, we each have our own reasons for being there. What's yours? Why do you go to work? I always say, get an appetizer and dessert and that the shift will go better for you as a waiter if you love yourself first. And we are closed. No. We made it? The shift is over? The night has to end. Sucks to be the closer. Then dessert will be ordered. Espresso will be drunk. Checks will be dropped. The kitchen will close. And then the lights will come up. The front door will lock. You will start to count your money. And there will be napkins to fold. There, there will, will always still be napkins, napkins to fold. <laughs> Tips to be distributed. Glasses still to be polished. And the thought that your job is only really as good as the people you work with. And then suddenly, somewhere in this side work, you, you will, will acknowledge, acknowledge your, your own, own work. work.
And I can only say this because this is my life's work. Thanks so much for coming in tonight. You are the best part of my life. I get to talk to people I could have gone my whole life without ever meeting. I get to see their faces when they're hungry. I get to hug them, meet their families. I get to see what they're like while they're waiting. That is some intimate shit. I get to stare from across a room if I want. I get to look directly at someone I almost never met. And I always just end up asking if they'd care for something to drink. But for a second, for a split second, I know that I could ask them anything. Thank you for listening to Standby for Places. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. To learn more about us and how to donate, visit our website at www.standbyforplaces.org. Until next time.